Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, this is Olaomi and welcome to episode 111 of the Super Abundant Life podcast. As always, it's a pleasure for me to bring you this episode. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. Thank you for always showing up. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews, which reminds me if you have not yet left us a rating and or a review on iTunes, please do so. I would very much appreciate that. They say the more you rate or the more a podcast is rated or reviewed, the more iTunes and all those other platforms will actually show them to more people and recommend them. So it would be really helpful to us if you just take a moment. In fact, as you're listening to this right now, you're most likely listening on some kind of your Apple device, can you just click to go to the main page of the podcast and then leave us a rating at the very least. And if you want to go beyond that, you can also leave a review. I very much appreciate it and thank you in advance. Today, I'm going to be talking about breaking cycles of poor decision making. Now, this one, this one applies to every one of us. That's the whole point of life. We go through life, we make decisions, and a lot of times those decisions and choices end up being mistakes that cost us something. It could cost us from as little as, oh, oops, that was a mistake, to maybe even having a more devastating effect on our lives. And they say that once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times then, what were you thinking? (laughs) Another person says it this way. If you hurt me once, it's your fault. If you hurt me twice, then it's my fault. Basically, what they're trying to say is we should be self-aware enough to be able to learn from our mistakes. We should be self-aware enough 
to look at the kinds of choices that we are making in everyday life and the impact of those choices, not just on ourselves, but also on other people, on our environment and so on. And then to be able to make adjustments as we go along. Now that itself is a skill that we must develop. Self-awareness is a skill. In fact, it is an executive skill that must be taught to children as they are growing up. Because without being self-aware, literally, we will just end up bumping into all sorts of obstacles that we could have avoided in the first place. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. If you find yourself engaging in the same repetitive patterns of responses, choices, and decisions that end badly, you want to keep listening. If you wish you could break the habit of repeating the same mistakes that put you in detrimental or compromising situations, this episode is for you. So I'm going to be teaching how you can recognize these patterns of behavior, these patterns of bad decision-making that cause you unnecessary pain and how you can break that cycle once and for all. So I'm quite excited about this one. Hopefully this one is going to be quite short. I don't know, I always say that. (laughs) And then I just talk and talk and talk and talk. For an introvert, I think I talk a lot, which is a bit weird. I'm an introvert, but I'm not quiet, if that makes sense. Because when I get going, I literally just start talking and talking, (laughs) like now. So let's move on. So where did this actually come from in terms of recording an episode or this episode for the podcast? It was while I was reading the Bible. I was reading the Bible and I read about the part where God told Samuel to go and anoint a new king. So I was reading about David. uh, I believe this is in 1 Samuel 16 or thereabout. And... God wanted David to be anointed as king. So God was like, Samuel, get up. That means it's enough. <laughs> that means it's enough in Yoruba. It was like, Samuel, that's enough. Okay. Stop mourning for Saul. Saul's era is done. It's over. I want to move on and you should move on too. And he basically gave him the instruction and said, take your oil and go and anoint a new king. Someone that I have chosen. And of course, Samuel was like, ah, if Saul hears, he's going to kill me. What do you think? I can't just stroll into the place and say, I'm going, I'm coming to dethrone him. And interestingly, God gives him an idea, a way to get in there and get away with anointing a new king without Saul coming after him. That is why I say, honestly, God is our greatest ally. We wouldn't need to do certain underhanded things like throwing people under the bus. You just need to go to God and get a strategy that is holy. (laughs) That is holy because God basically gave him a strategy. He said, just say you're coming to offer sacrifices to the Lord, which he was coming to do. But at the same time, he was going to anoint someone as king. So God gave him a way to to do his will without putting his own life in jeopardy. And he was still obeying God and being righteous. So that is amazing. That's just like a a bonus. Okay. (laughs) So God says, take your oil. I want you to go and anoint the new king, which is all well and good. So Samuel obeys, goes to the house of Jesse, the father of David and his brothers. And he says to Jesse, I've come to, I don't know if, I don't remember if he says to him, I've come to anoint your sons. But I think he said, where are your sons? And Jesse was like, oh, I think something special is about to happen. And he lines up all his sons, but one. And basically, they all stood in front of him. Now, as I read that, I noticed that 
something quite peculiar happened. As soon as Samuel arrived at Jesse's house and Jesse lined up all his sons, earlier being the, the oldest, I would have assumed would be at the head of the queue, Samuel starts walking towards Eliab and as soon as he spotted Eliab, the Bible says that he took, literally I'm quoting now from 1 Samuel 16 verses 6 to 7, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. So he literally took one look at him and he thought, wow, this guy looks stately. He's probably tall. He looks like the kind of person that could be a king. And I'm like, hang on a minute. So the light bulb just went on for me. Like, Samuel, did, did God tell you that Eliab was the person? Because obviously, as we all know the story, Eliab was not the person. Neither were all the rest of the brothers. And it ended up being David who wasn't even present. But why would Samuel literally just get up from being depressed and crying over Saul and then shows up to try and make a decision to anoint the next king. And he again does what picks based on external appearance. Because why did he pick Eliab? Why did he take one look? Because he didn't say, I perceive. Oh, Eliab, I perceive. He didn't ask him any questions. He didn't say, Eliab, what do you do for a living? He didn't say, let me try and find out the character of Eliab. Let me even know how eloquent he is. Let me test him to see if he will obey God. Because we know that Saul constantly disobeyed God. He didn't do any of that. He literally took one look at the guy and then said, Oh, surely this is the Lord's anointed. This is the one. And he went and tried and poured the oil. And the oil refused to pour. And he couldn't anoint the guy as king. I'm sure he would have wondered, ah, ah, what's happening to this oil? God, why are you not anointing this guy? Why did he head straight for Eliab? Very simple reason. He looked exactly like Saul. Now, I don't mean physically like they had the same features. What I mean is that it triggered the memory of Saul in his mind. Because do you know why Saul was picked in the first place? Let me dial back because I need to put this in context to make this case. God didn't want them to have a king at that point. I don't think he ever intended for them never to have a king because God is actually very progressive. So all these people that will say, oh, God doesn't want you to use social media or something. We know when social media first came out, people were like, oh, what's going on? Is this 666? very progressive he has seen ahead he has released technology into the earth that's going to help advance his kingdom so now see i mean 10 20 years later you can see how social media is playing a big part in the advancing of the kingdom of god but in the early days people were like oh why are you doing this the same way when tv came out people were like oh it's the devil's box god doesn't want you watching tv god is very progressive he's not a cake God doesn't think like that. He's progressive. So he would have seen down the line that all these other nations have kings. Israel doesn't have a king. I think for them to be able to keep up with dominating in the world system and being leaders in the world system, they too would need to have a king. So he would have thought ahead that they will need a king. And I believe that's why he had started grooming David in the backyard of the desert, as they say. So I believed he was looking or searching for the person with the right heart. 
He just wasn't ready yet. He was still in the process of preparing for them a king. When Israel rose up and said, we want a king now. We want it now. And God said, uh-uh, why are you rejecting me? Samuel said, but I'm a judge unto you. He said, we don't want a judge. We want a king like the other nations. He said, okay, fine. I know you're not going to stop badgering me over this. You want it now. Okay, oh, take your king. And the interesting thing is God had to give them the kind of king they would accept. You know, God looks into the intent of the heart. So if you, you can ask God and say, God, I want this. He looks into your heart and knows what you really are asking because it is the image that is imprinted upon your heart that will be reflected in your life. So when they were asking for a king, God knew that they were looking for someone that was stately, someone that was impressive in stature physically. If God had brought like 10-year-old David or 16-year-old David to come and become king, they would have despised him and said, who is this one? Now, let me show you to back up what I'm saying that the main reason why Saul was the person that God gave to the Israelites was because of his literally his physical stature. In 1 Samuel 10, when Saul showed up with Samuel to be presented to the whole of the Israel as their new king, the Bible says that Saul stood head and shoulders above anyone else. That was not an analogy. That was all like, oh, he's more intelligent. No, no, no. Saul <laughs> was the tallest man in the whole of the country. How can you get more fixated on the external and the physical than that? He was literally the tallest. So that's what they wanted. That's what their heart was crying for. They wanted someone that was impressive in stature. And then let me keep reading. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. So it was purely based on how he looked. Saul was picked by the people. Their heart yearned for someone that looked like Saul. And Samuel too basically went for that. Now, what I'm saying is, isn't it strange that Samuel, who had been so disappointed in Saul, and this Saul that was picked simply because of his stature and the way he looked, why would Samuel show up again to pick another king to make the same decision and he would end up picking someone that looked exactly like that? So he was still going to go ahead and make the wrong decision that had been made the first time. Literally, he had just gotten up from the place where he had been lying down for days, absolutely dejected and in pain because of what Saul had done. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so that's what got me thinking. Now, why do we do that? Why do we live life? You know, you made that decision. It ended badly. And then you have an opportunity to make that decision again. We still end up choosing the same bad choices. We still end up doing the same thing that we know inherently is going to cause harm. I'm like, why? Why do we repeat mistakes and poor decisions? As I just demonstrated in the case of Samuel, he gravitated immediately to a Saul lookalike. And I was like, this must be the person. Did you just forget that you don't do that? 
shouldn't something about the fact that Eliab looks almost exactly the same as Saul say something to you that like alarm bells should be going up like wait a minute should I probe a bit more this one that all the signs are sort of pointing in the direction that this might be another soul. Should I pause a little bit and think about this a little bit more? That's called self-awareness. But he literally just said, oh, this must be the one. And he rushed towards him. So that's what inspired me to record this episode. And that's what I'm going to be exploring. Okay, so stick with me. So I'll repeat my question. Why do we make mistakes over and over again that we know? are hurting us. I want to first of all establish that it's not because you're a bad person, because that is the conclusion that human beings tend to arrive at. They look at someone that keeps making bad decisions and they conclude that that person is rotten. They say, oh, that's a bad person. She keeps getting into relationships with all these kind of men. Oh, this one is just money hungry, just keeps going for jobs that just pay her money or whatever it is. She'll throw people under the bus or whatever it is. We just, if you see someone behaving a certain way over and over again, we label them. We say this person, that's who they are. We make it part of their identity. And that's completely false. Whether you are doing it for someone else and saying, oh, that's the kind of person they are, or you are doing it to yourself and saying, that's who I am. No, it's completely false. You're not a bad person. You just happen to be making that decision over and over again. And why do you keep making that bad decision over and over again? It's because your brain has been wired and trained to help you make that bad decision. It's nothing to do with the quality of the kind of person you are. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, it has nothing to do with that. Your brain has basically just been trained to say, when we find ourselves in this situation and we need to make a decision, your brain will automatically scan and look for the familiar and tell you, go for that one. And you'll be pushed in that direction. Why? Because it is the familiar. That is how your brain works. The human brain is meant to make everything you do, decision making or whatever it is, as efficient as possible. So self-awareness is being able to override that subconscious decision making to say, hold on. I know these are the choices I always make, but I don't like the outcome. So I'm going to step outside of myself and view it as a third party and have a different perspective. That is what it means to be self-aware, not to be mindless, not to mindlessly make decisions. When we say mindlessly making decisions, it means your brain has been trained to literally make the decision for you, whether the outcome suits you or helps you or not. It's just biology. <laughs> so you're not a bad person. And neither is that person that you can observe making all those wrong decisions over and over again. Neither are they a bad person. They're not a bad person. It's because you have been trained through experience. So experiential repetition to always go for that choice. Every time you had dinner for over a period of maybe a year or two. You say, oh, I want something sweet after dinner. And then you end up eating sweets and biscuits and drinking all sorts of things just before bed. As you're sitting on your bed, you're eating all these things. And you end up eating like three quarters or even double the whole calories of the whole day in a 20-minute window because you wanted something sweet. 
The first time you may have had a little bit of something sweet, but then you kept on doing it. You're training your brain and saying, when we're about to go to bed, can you please make sure that I have something sweet? So even though you may wake up and feel a bit funny, like, oh my God, I shouldn't have eaten all those sugary things just before bed. It's a bad decision. Guess what you're going to be doing again just as you're about to go to bed that night? Exactly the same. Because the brain has been trained to serve you. That's what God gave you the brain for. It is to serve you. But it doesn't discriminate. When you look at it like that, the same way, because of these constant and very close interactions with Saul as king, I'm talking about Samuel now, he had become so close to Saul that in his mind, he had trained his mind to think this is what a king should look like. So that when he found himself in another situation where he was meant to pick a king, he went for Saul. Don't you notice that there are people that would date the same kind of people, even though the relationships end badly. And you're like, why are you dating this person? In fact, they will even look alike. <laughs> Do you know anybody like that? The person will look like their ex, talk like their ex, dress like their ex. And you're like, this person is so similar to the last person you dated. Why do you keep dating the same kind of people? And like, oh, no, well, he's different. No, he's not different. He's going to end up exactly the same way. Because your brain, you had interacted, you had just come out of a relationship where you had been intimately connected with someone, your emotions are tangled together. Your brain has been trained to say, this is the kind of person I enter into a relationship with. So you don't then immediately go based on what you have trained your brain to recognize. You don't go into a relationship immediately after that because you will attract exactly the same person. Your brain is trying to help you. That's what your brain is trying to do. It thinks it's trying to help you, but it's actually <laughs> carrying you and throwing you inside the pit. That's why rebounds are horrible. They don't work because you're going to go into exactly the same thing. So what that means is if I arrived in this situation because my brain has been trained to behave this way or to make these kind of choices, that means I simply need to retrain my recognition system in order to break that cycle of bad decision-making. It's as simple as that. So you don't need to put yourself down in order to judge yourself, in order to judge people. They simply need to be retrained. And that's exactly what happened. As soon as Samuel stepped out and said, oh, this is the one. It is Eliab. He looks exactly like Saul. He's tall. He's distinguished. And you know that he was already in the army, so the guy was well-built. He had muscles and all those things. So he looked very together like, oh, this is a king. God immediately corrected Samuel and he said, no, 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 no. That is not how you pick a king. That was how those people picked their own king. And because Samuel, you have interacted with Saul so much, you now think every king must look like this. No. That was the people's choice. Me, I'm now ready to present my own choice, a man after my own heart. So the Lord said to Samuel, do not judge by his appearance or height. So the guy was tall, like Saul, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
So that's what I'm saying. So he basically stopped Samuel dead in his tracks and said, no, don't do that. No, 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 no. This is a rebound <laughs> relationship we are about to enter into with this man called Eliab. Stop, 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 stop. No, go and retrain your brain so that you can know the right criteria to pick the next king. Then you can move forward. And that's exactly what God did. So he retrained him and said, no, it's not by external appearance. It is based on the heart. It is based on the heart. So that is the whole retraining and the re-engineering process that I'm talking about. That is what I'm going to talk about now. So how do you retrain your recognition system in order to break the cycle of bad decision making? And I have three steps for you today. I told you this was going to be quite short. I think I'm about halfway now. So this is going to be shorter than my usual episode. So short and sharp, nice and sweet. (laughs) So the first one is educate, educate yourself. What do I mean by that? When you find yourself making bad decisions over and over again, in fact, I will be as bold enough as to say, don't even wait until it is over and over again. Once you make one decision and it ends badly or it ends the way you didn't expect it to end and it has caused you or someone else some kind of discomfort or even injury, the first time it happens, you must sit down and reflect. At least get to the point where you're doing it for every single bad decision that you make. But for the purpose of this episode, let's say, go back and look at the cycle. Why do you keep making those kind of wrong decisions? So identify something where every time you show up to make a decision, you always pick the wrong thing concerning this thing. So you have to sit down and ask yourself, why do I keep making these poor choices? These are questions you need to reflect on and journal. Why is the decision poor in the first place? So what kind of negative outcomes did they produce? Now, going back to Samuel and Eliab. Now, remember, it was the same Eliab when David showed up in front of Goliath and David was raring to go. He wanted to go and literally take off Goliath's head. Who spoke up? to discourage him, who spoke up to put him in his place, who spoke up to humiliate him, Eliab. So you can see that he was even worse than Saul. He was the same kind of person as Saul. He was like, who is this one? Where did you leave the few sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? I know you. And he was judging and putting David down. Can you see? He would have probably even been a worse king, a more wicked king than Saul. Meanwhile, Samuel was just like, oh, this is the king. So you have to sit down and say, oh, this Saul thing ended really badly. Why? What recommended Saul to me in the first place? How did it end? You have to catalog and say, oh, because Saul was picked a king. Look at all the things that happened as a result of that. And then you catalog it. You journal it down. You have to ask yourself this question. Don't pass it off. As, oh, that's how I am. Oh, that's just the way life is. And all that stuff we tell ourselves to avoid taking responsibility. You made that decision. It wasn't made for you. Someone else may have played a part in influencing you, but ultimately life choices belong to you. You make them. So you have to be self-aware. Don't allow yourself to basically sleepwalk through life just saying, oh, it's, it's, that's just the way it is. That's just the way I am. No. 
Don't treat the events in your life as it was meant to be. Nothing was meant to be. Something triggered it on this earth. Your choices and your decisions are what creates the outcomes of your life. So Samuel would sit down and say, why did Saul become king? What recommended him to us? He would be asking all those kind of questions. Oh, this guy was the tallest. He looked stately, physically as in stunning. And all, so you write down and say, oh, these are the things that I saw that I made this decision in the first place. This was how I felt that made me go for that thing in the first place. Oh, this is what somebody told me that made me go for that decision in the first place. You have to be able to really sit down and think deeply about these things. You have to ask the right question. Why do I always attract these kind of men? Or why am I always attracted to these kind of men? What do I find appealing about them? Is it the way they dress? Is it the way they speak? Is it the fact that they, they always look put together, they, they don't know how to talk or whatever? So you have to write it down. That doesn't necessarily mean that all those qualities are bad in another person, but at least be self-aware. So that if you see someone that looks almost exactly the same with all those same kind of qualities, you at least pause and say, I need to look deeper because this person is looking very similar to that last person. And what's to say they're not the same? So you basically pause and allow yourself to dig a little bit deeper before you jump in. Why did I go for this person in the first place? How was I feeling when I was offering this role to this person? What did I see? What was the still small voice saying that I pushed away and said, no, it's okay, it'll be fine. So that when I find myself in a similar situation, I can see, ah, 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 oh, alarm, ah, ah, that's a flag. I felt exactly the same way. I ignored it the last time, but I'm not going to ignore it now. What is the outcome that I want? On the other side, what are you likely to be enticed by that will pull you away from what you want? Do you understand that? For example, you keep finding yourself in dead-end jobs. You may start with enthusiasm, but in a couple of weeks, it turns out to be exactly like all the other jobs. By the end of the third month, you feel so uninspired and you're grinding through every working day and you hate being there. And the same kind of job over and over and over again. You have to sit and ask yourself, what exactly do I want in a job, first of all? What qualities must I have in a job that will really satisfy me? That's the first column. The second column is what keeps enticing me to join these other jobs that I end up hating? Was it the money? Was it the reputation of the firm, maybe working for an established global company? Was it desperation? Maybe my contract was ending and I needed a new job fast. So I said, well, what's the first thing that comes? And I took it. You have to ask yourself those kind of questions. Until you begin to document these things, you will not recognize the patterns and you'll keep falling into the same trap. The second, so first was educate yourself. The second then goes to the next level, which is examine now that you've identified the signs, you sat down and you reflected and you journaled very clearly. Now that you've identified the signs, you have to diligently look out for them next time. What are the things that trigger those poor choices? For example, Samuel's trigger was tall, handsome, and stately looking young men. 
He thought that was kingly, even though it had proved disastrous previously. If every time you do something, you get a certain outcome, then that's a trigger. So like I said, I gave the example of after dinner, you know, you're about to go to bed. You feel like, oh, I, I, I need something sweet. Meaning getting, climbing into your bed triggers that desire for something sweet. So that's a trigger. If A equals B all the time, then you need to look at A and say, how can I make sure A does not lead to B again? That's what I mean by examining. So keep your eyes open. So the first is to document so that you are aware. The second one is to examine. Properly weigh the pros and the cons of each opportunity before you accept it. Don't rush into anything, especially when you can already see that there are certain similarities on the outside that could mean that this is going to sort of end up the same way. So take your time, ask the Holy Spirit, go into a time of prayer and ask him to help you to, to really decipher if this is it or not. Because let me tell you this, David was not ugly. In fact, when David showed up, when Samuel went to the wilderness and found David with the sheep, the Bible says that he was handsome, he was ruddy looking or whatever it is. So he wasn't ugly. I don't think he was as tall as Eliab, but he was a fine looking chap. But there was more is what I'm saying. And the last one, the third one, again, follows on from the second step is to execute. So be bold enough to take action. Now, without this one, everything I've said before now <laughs> is just English. <laughs> okay. You have to be bold enough to say no. Or walk away when you recognize a bad choice, no matter how much you want it. You have to follow through. You can't have been in your last five jobs. By the time you left the job, you hated it. You're like, I'm never doing that again. And then simply because you've been out of contract, for example, for a month, another one comes. You just know you've examined it like this job is going to be exactly the same. And like, it's a, maybe this one will be different. We'll start telling ourselves that maybe this one will be different. I don't think it's that bad. You know, that line manager, you know, he was a bit nicer to me when he was talking to me in the interview. But you know, having educated yourself, having examined the matter, you know, it's the same thing. But you're like, I'm running out of money. No, ask God for strength. Say no, walk away, break that cycle once and for all. You understand that? Ask God, ask the Holy Spirit for strength to say no and to walk away. Because the more you keep getting into these bad situations, the more you delay the good situation from coming your way. Imagine if God had not intervened and Samuel had anointed Eliab. David would have had to wait God knows how long again. Maybe it would have been 90 when he finally became king or something. And the people would have been deprived of a great king. You understand what I'm saying? So it's important. You have to walk away. Because the more you keep getting into those kind of situations that you know are injurious to you or to other people that you love, the further away you're getting from the situation that God himself has prepared for you. And that kind of strength, honestly, and I'm not saying it lightly, like just walk away. I know that some things are hard to walk away from, especially if it has been a habit over many years. 
That's where the Holy Spirit comes. You can't just say, well, I can't do it. It's too hard. No, the Holy Spirit is there to help you. Take the word of God and start speaking it over that situation. Start declaring it, praying the Spirit until the strength comes for you to follow through what you know is the right thing to do. So you have to be willing to walk away if you don't have the strength to say no, to walk away, to say, I'm, I'm not going to take this job just because I feel like I'm running out of money because I know it's another dead end job. I'm going to wait. I'm going to allow God supply my needs while I look for something that I know I truly do love. So that's me done. That's what I've come to share with you today. I hope that's helped you. These are things that I do in my own life. Don't sleepwalk through life. Don't mindlessly keep making decisions that you know are injurious. Sit down. First of all, educate yourself. Be self-aware. Document. Journal. Actually, let me add this at this point. One of the reasons why people tell me that, oh, wow, you can read people and so on, is because of this. I'm very self-aware. I know how to read people. So I have tells where if I see someone behaving a certain way, I'm like, ah, I know where you're going. Because I sit down and I reflect and I say, that other person, this was how they started. This were the signs they were exhibiting. And I'm telling you that people rarely surprise me in that case. Why? Because I have thought deeply about it. So you're at work, you see somebody behaving a certain way, and you're like, ah, it's okay, it's okay. Meanwhile, inside you, you know something's off. Something is reminding you of how somebody else behaved. But you're saying, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And then you get burnt again. No, no. I say no. <laughs> so first of all, be self-aware. Educate yourself. Number two, examine. Look for the signs. And number three, if the signs indeed tell you that this is not something you should be involved in, this is a decision you should not make, make sure you execute. Look for the strength inside God to be able to walk away from that thing. Thank you so much. This is Allow Me. And I'll be back next week. Bye. <laughs>